2: Welcome into the roto Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. This is fairly momentous as this is now the second episode in which there may be people out there watching this broadcast live. As a result, you did not get the little intro that I normally do where I say what we're going to be talking about on the episode. We'll have to think about if we want to bring that back, but we are going to be talking about some dynasty trades. And taking a look at some output from the Strength of Schedule app. We also have an FFPC stat attack geared up for this show. Curtis, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing great, man. Uh, I'm very geared up, too. Uh, I think we had a great show yesterday. I think I'm just getting all this extra energy from not editing the rookie guide anymore. Uh, <laughs> it's just, you know, I. <sighs> I'm a I'm a doer man. Like I'm a man of action and and to get into like an artistic creative space for me, other than with music, is kind of tough. Yep. Um so like Blair Andrews, you know, our managing editor for the site, uh, he is much better served um reading through the nitty-gritty of all the data and all the research that's in that thing. But uh that is that is a natural segue uh to plug the guide, which we're gonna be doing for the next couple of weeks. So just get used to it. Uh the 2022 RotoViz Fantasy Football Rookie Draft Guide is available on the website. Just go to rotaviz.com, click on 2022 Rookie Guide. Uh, you can buy all three volumes uh, this spring. It's just 20 bucks. And then you get a 15% off coupon for coupon code for 15% off of a rotaviz.com 12 month subscription. So uh, it's like half off, basically, an $11 rookie guide. You can't beat that
2: let's get into the show yeah, days. absolutely no brainer go get the rookie guide all right so the first place we're headed this evening is to review here a little trade that was sent uh actually did you propose this or was this sent to you curtis oh boy are we talking about the jalen hurts trade yeah we're talking about the jalen hurts trade
3: Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay. I'll get into this a little bit. So, um, yeah, this start. This did not. Um, this is not something I started with. But the situation is, I, I joined this league. It's one that Scott Baird in, invited me to. I think two or three years ago. Um, it's for a good cause. It's there's there's a charity element to it for like an animal shelter. I think I can't remember. But it's the only. It's the only dynasty startup I've ever joined where I didn't have the bandwidth at the time to be active in the startup, and I've just regretted not that the people that are in the league are awesome, but I've just regretted joining that league because I yep. wasn't engaged in the startup, and that's just so counter to the way that I do things and so it's the team's not performing very well. It's just been stuck in the middle. I think I might have made the playoffs the first year like you know as the sixth seed, and then this year I had some injuries and, and made some pivots during the season, trying to get younger, you know trading. Nick Chubb during the playoff run for DeAndre Swift, some some moves like that to set me up for the future. Yep. Well, the team's a little thin. I didn't have draft picks, and this this trade comes into my inbox, and it's it's Justin Herbert and AJ Dillon uh, for what for Jalen Hurts and uh, Jalen Waddle and the one eleven, and I'm thinking hmm. Dave and I have talked a lot about Jalen Waddle and how special his rookie season is. He's not the—he's not one of the players that I was really on, uh, but he's out for performed expectation. His, his value has risen precipitously. Jalen Hurts is a player that Dave and I have been on. I believe in him a lot, but this is a pretty big pivot, man. Like Herbert is kind of a consensus top five QB at this point, point. Um, and the situation feels very, very safe there. You know, he's unlikely to lose more than a round of startup value, even if he finishes as like the QB 10 in 2022 Jalen hurts on the other hand uh, is, is going to probably get one more year. He's got the team's vote of yep. confidence, right? And they've got all those first round draft picks this year. Right. But it still feels a little bit shaky. So, um, you know, kind of just unpacking this, w- what it came down to is just didn't feel like quite enough. And so I did the classic, this is the classic Curtis move that allows us to rebuild rosters. I upgraded a rookie third to a, a rookie second as well in order to close the deal. So um, I feel good. I feel good about it. Like there's multiple ways that I can win here, you know, with the first with Waddle. Um, I think Dylan to Waddle is ultimately a good pivot to make on a, on a starting lineup setting. When you start 11 players um, we'd rather have the, you know, the, the wide receiver upside there than, you know, than Dylan. But what do you think about this one, man? Cause I, it this honestly did not get great reviews on Twitter. Uh, usually those ends mm. up being my best trades, honestly, <laughs> the the more that the community hates yep. the trades that I make, I find those being the ones that like 90 days from now, six months from now, you know, I, I get to just retweet and people are like, how did
2: you do that?
3: Uh, so what do you think, man?
2: I'm actually kind of surprised to hear that Twitter wasn't on this. I mean, I understand that it has one of those yeah. players that has been a guy that I really liked on, well, actually two guys that I've really liked, but overall to me, I really like this trade. Uh, you were able to upgrade on the rookie picks, the 111 and a 207. That's pretty nice. Maybe in the context of this year, it's not as exciting as some people might like for it to be. But I think that I would much rather have Waddle than Dylan. We talked you know, uh, this week about how good Jalen Waddle was. I expect you to extract a lot more value from out of him long-term, maybe even in the short-term as well uh you know dylan's already been in the league a couple of years there's signs that he could put together a couple of really good years but with how good jalen waddle played i'm not sure that you can really make an argument that you're going to be able to expect much more if anything more from dylan at the quarterback position i think that might be where people see this large delta but you still have so much upside in hertz yeah i mean herbert's been awesome we're going to talk a little bit about these the schedule that the chargers played later but i don't think that disparity between the two, even if you favor Herbert by a lot, has enough of a gap that what you gained with those other pieces in that trade outweighs it. So I really like this trade. I think for a team that's looking to rebuild, this is how you go about getting it done. So if people want to just focus on the players and not so much your situation, Mm. I don't think that's the way to look at this.
3: Man, I, I love the review. Uh I'm asking like the other really biased Jalen Hurts fan <laughs> here, so um I'm kind of I guess p- pandering yes. to my co-host with this trade. Um but, but that's the way I see it too, man, cuz I think I think Waddle can still accrue more value. We talked um in yesterday's show uh, about, you know, the, the possibility of him being, you know, a low end uh, wide receiver one in year 2. Uh, just by taking a little bit of a step, uh, either either in Yak uh, or an average depth of of target. But Jalen Hurts has a, I mean, so Jalen Hurts was the. I'm looking at the NFL Stat Explorer right now. He was the the QB seven in, in points per game in his first full season as starter, uh, fifth in expected points per game, uh, let all uh, quarterbacks in rushing yards. And you know there is still upside. I think the only perceived downside with Hurts is that he's not the long term guy. But if he goes out and has another year like this. And and the Eagles get into the playoffs again, and they've they've fortified the rest of that offense. It, I mean, if if the downside of not being the starter in twenty twenty three was removed from the Jalen Hurts evaluation, I feel like he and and Justin Herbert are equivalent assets. Um, and so I do feel like this is the the type of trade where you know come October, if Hurts looks a little bit improved and it becomes very clear he's the long term answer, this could end up looking like a smash trade for me. Um, whereas if I lose it, as long as I get good performance from Hertz, um, this season, I think I can live with it. Um, and it would just certainly, I guess, uh, kick me into a, a full reboot mode. So, um, I did want to also mention Billy, uh, Billy wrote into the show, uh, for tonight and just asked the question, Hey, what's your outlook on Jalen Hurts?" And so, so Billy, man, I, I mean, I just traded away a package of Justin Herbert, uh, and, and AJ Dylan and a third to acquire jalen hurts so that that should tell you all you need to know
2: yeah it certainly should anybody that's been listening to this knows our outlook on jalen hurts is extremely favorable (laughs) extremely favorable Uh, i just want to toss in one more comment here which is that if you are somebody that thinks that hurts has proven to be a competent nfl passer and continues to be I don't think that there's any reason that you should be worried about the possibility of the Eagles not thinking that he's the long term answer. I think at this point, it's fair to expect, even if he moves on from the Eagles, he's going to find playing time elsewhere, especially given that he has a skill set that other teams might be looking for, given the success that we've seen about quarterbacks and all can also get things done with their legs and, you know, have shown ability with their arms as well.
3: All right, fair points, man. Fair points. I want to talk a little bit about uh, another trade situation that I found myself in, and just get your take on it. Yep. Um, but I think to set the stage, let's make this our FFPC stat attack uh, for this this uh, episode. And uh, for you know frequent listeners, you know that the FFPC have been great partners to us. Uh, for many years, um, you know, and, and we will continue in that partnership. We help them develop what I think are the best dynasty leagues in the industry. Last year with our Rotoviz Triflex, uh, Dynasty Leagues and Dynasty Best Ball Leagues. And this is an offer I got actually in an FFPC Dynasty League. Um, you know, it's a new owner. Um, So we adopted an orphan. You know, last week we talked about the importance of, you know, uh, going through the exercise of adopting an orphan to become you know, kind of that next level dynasty player. So this is one of those guys that took that advice. He immediately jumps in the league, does what you should do. You, you adopt a team, say, Hey, I'm new to the league. I'm looking to make deals. And uh, so that's good. Good on him. And so he immediately, you know, just sends me, you know, just kind of this boilerplate offer of uh, he he inherited a team with four 2022 first. And he's like, I'll just, you know, I'll trade one of my lower 2022 first for your 2023 first. I'm trying to diversify his assets. This is actually a smart move. This guy's doing some good stuff. So I'm looking at my team. I'm trying to make pivots. I want to get rid of Ezekiel Elliott. And there's not really a good match. Uh, He's got like the 106, the 109, the 111. I feel like I can't get the 106 from him, but the 109 doesn't feel good enough. But I see Rashad Penny on the squad. And I'm thinking, all right, what can I do here? (laughs) Maybe to, to take a risk on Penny um yep. divest from zeke because i also own pollard on this squad so just like we would do in redraft in a, in a zero rb build and one of the reasons that we don't necessarily handcuff the backs on our squads at rotoviz is because you know we want to increase our our potential to win in multiple backfields. so if i divest from zeke hold on to pollard and grab penny regardless of where penny lands as long as he doesn't land in dallas I've got exposure to another, you know, upside back and a different offense, get rid of the more aged player, declining asset and, and get, you know, Penny's a player kind of like Hertz, right? If everyone knew that he was going to start next year, his value would be sky high Yep, uh, off of the strength of what he just did the last eight weeks. So, you know, I reply. And I think my first offer was, you know, that 2023 third and Zeke for the 2022 102 plus Penny. And, you know, the guy scoffs, I actually don't think it's that, that far off uh, to the right Zeke owner or the right Zeke fan. And, and but I thought maybe he would counter with the one Oh six and we're kind of just been going back and forth. Um, you know, there, I want to pause here for the stat attack. You know, the reason I'm trying to offload Zeke, you know, on the surface you know, he was RB seven again this year. And what's the big problem? You know, what's the big problem with a, a running back that, you know, is a mid RB one. He was drafted as a mid RB one, you know, he returned value. And, you know, I, I'm th- the problem for me is the role is just never going to be again, you know, what it's been. I'm looking yeah. in the NFL statics floor here and I want to draw your attention to expected points per game here. OK, he's RB 14. Know, he outperformed his role this year, actually, for the first time in a while. Twenty twenty he was extremely uh, inefficient. But in twenty twenty, let's look and see what happened. He was RB four in expected points per game. He's protected by the volume uh, and and the value of the role. Oh, in 2019, RB3. 2018, RB3. (laughs) Okay, since in a theme here, 2017, RB4. Okay, so for the first time in the past five seasons, Zeke is an RB2 in terms of role. Now, I I think it would be unwise to assume that 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 trend would reverse with another year uh, of wear on his legs. And, you know, Pollard entering the end of the contract and then wanting to get max value out of that player. So, um, you know, having heard me talk through this, you know, is it too risky in your mind to move Zeke for a package of penny plus whatever picks? Like, let's say let's say I go back to this guy to say penny plus the 111 for Zeke. Uh, That's that might be what we could land on. What do you think about that?
2: My thoughts here are that this is the type of trade that people will often view as a bad move for you. But really, this is the perfect point for you to make a trade. Uh, You're able to actually get the trade conducted because of the name acumen that Zeke still has at this point. He's coming off of a solid season. But if you feel that a player's cliff is impending, this is how you go about unloading them. You do it. Sometimes you have to make yourself a little bit uncomfortable, but we know that getting the picks and taking these high upside guys is what pushes your team forward. So I can see why people would push back on this. Personally, I think we're at the point where I would want to divest of Zeke, and I think that this is a good way to do it. Maybe some people will argue that you should try to get more for him. But the other thing is, we're not the only people that are anticipating Zeke falling off. We're not the only ones that see this value going down other managers know that. So you're not always going to get the price tag on a player that you might think that you would have at their peak and you just need to get over that. So, I, I mean, I like the move. Um, I don't think it's going to get good reviews from many other people, but I say, go for it. <laughs> that's,
3: that's all right, man. I'm trying exactly. to win the trade in the middle of the season, not an off season. So the last question before we kind of pivot yep. to some of the other stuff, because uh, you know, everyone knows I love talking dynasty trades, man. This is what Gets me going. I love building these teams, taking care of these teams, winning dynasty titles, helping other people win dynasty titles. It's it's what gives me life, man. So, um, you know, the other trade that he actually the initial trade that he offered me, I already know my answer, but I don't hear your answer. Yep. He offered me the 2022 109 for my, at this point, seemingly random 2023 first. Would you just accept that deal? All right. What are your thoughts on that? 109. After, after, after evaluating the 2022 class. Yeah.
2: 109. I don't think so. I don't think I'd take it. I think I'd rather take my yeah. random shot I, next I year. I wouldn't either.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't either. In a 1QB Dynasty League, we've kind of got our tier. You know, when you look at that 1A tier, that 1B tier, we've got that line after player number seven right now. Now that could change, but a couple sl- spots spots um, below that. And, uh, you know, to get what is... Technically, a tier three player, just because we're calling the first two tiers, one A and one B. Uh, I, I don't think I can do it. You know, anything could go wrong, you know, with my squad. The 2023 class has, you know, all this kind of um, early appeal to it, you know, the appeal of the class out in the future. Um, it feel, feels a lot like uh, classes a couple years ago where, you know, we'll just wait two more years. Well, there's a lot going on next year. Uh, there's a lot going on next year. we got some big-time backs coming out. we got some big-time receivers coming out. If you want to know who those are, check out our Debbie rankings, me, Travis, and Stefan. Rocking <laughs> those. Um, I, I just can't do it, man. It, it could all go wrong. So I think I would do it, though, if he offered me as 106. If he offered me as 106, I can get into that, that tier where I actually don't even think I would have to take the last player in the tier. I'd still have a little bit of option and yep. choice um so maybe i'll go back with that if i can't get him to take Zeke off well,
2: let me ask you a question here right um as a dynasty yeah. manager do you think that there's an element of strategy in having a first one first round pick that you can trade that doesn't have the particular pick assigned to it Like, I mean, I think we could all agree that in this case, that's kind of more valuable to you than the 109, even though we are in the year in which the pick is actually going to be usable.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data
3: yeah um the the more information you have about a pick, unless it's like the one o one really um in any given year the guaranteed one o one the more information you have about a pick, the less valuable yeah. it becomes until a certain point. so you know if this the reason that I say the one o six I think the one o six will gain quite a bit of value between now and the n f l draft we're gonna get through the combine we're gonna get you know lots of mock drafts from yep. the experts. We're gonna, you know, the combines in person. Teams can interview players this year. They get their thirty interviews back. It's not going to be like last year where everything was virtual. This is going to be a traditional NFL draft cycle. So there's gonna to be tons of buzz, and you can start seeing players with you know different uniforms on, different draft capital assigned. One hundred six is high enough where you can start to really envision who's going to be available. One hundred yeah. nine, it's still a crapshoot, man. I might, I might get some great. <laughs> I might, you know, my board might run as pure as possible. Or it could be a nightmare and, and I'm reaching on one of my second round guys, you know, basically. So um, yeah, I, I agree kind of the nondescript twenty twenty-three pick that can be whatever anyone I'm trading it to wants yep. it to be. You know, it's like a scratch off ticket, you know. Most well, could be 10 grand. Yeah, it could also be going in the trash. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a, a great element to mention there. Yeah, one uh, other um, trading, Dave.
2: One other note on that too as you think about a 2023 pick versus a 2022 pick, the players in mo- the majority of players in the 2023 class, we should have more information on, given the fact that they're not going to have that COVID oh, yeah. season. Of oh, course, yeah. it could make it harder to know what guys would have achieved th- when they were younger. But by and large, we should have more information on those players, which is another thing you need to consider here.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we we okay. we've cut this one up enough. <laughs> We're going to work in plenty of Dynasty Trade Talk. I mean, probably every episode because I'm just going to be grinding so hard, uh, you know, the next month or so. Um, but I know you wanted to talk about um, some takeaways, right? From the Strength of, Sched- uh, Strength of Schedule app.
2: Yeah. So we haven't talked about the uh, Strength of Schedule streaming app in a, in a while, really. Um, quick overview of it is this is a tool. Hold on here. That on. is going. No, hold on. Hold
3: on. We gotta, we've got to hit the pause. We've got to hit the pause. We need a quick drop.
2: Oh, we need a quick right. drop.
3: We're changing topics. All right. What do that's you, right. What do that's you have?
2: right. Let me, let me give a different one here. Um, What do I feel like? Yeah. We haven't Get used this one in a while. More. All right. I'm glad that you intervened there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there we go. All there right. we go. So we have not talked... Now we're, now we're good. ...in a little bit about the strength of schedule streaming app. So the way that I set this up is it's basically not just looking at the number of fantasy points that a team allows to a certain position. It's only looking at how fantasy relevant players do in comparison to their average when facing a particular defense. Uh, so the, the worst players do compare to their average, the harder the defense. Um, so there's a couple of things that go into that calculation, but that's the good summary of it. So what I wanted to, to highlight tonight were just some of the teams that faced the hardest schedules Now, the comment I'll make here is that you may have heard us sometimes talk about how it can be really hard to use strength of schedule when you're projecting out for a coming season because it's very hard. You have to predict so many things to figure that out. But if we're looking backward, it's 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 an easier thing to digest and make sense of. So in this case, we know what these schedules looked like. So what I wanted to highlight here are a couple of players or teams that had a very difficult schedule And maybe why, if you wanted to make a case for those players or those teams having fantasy success Mm. in 2023, this is something that you could point to. So the first thing I looked at, quarterbacks, right? These four teams that faced the hardest strength of schedule for quarterbacks were the Jaguars, the Raiders, the Jets, and the Chargers. Uh, And the Chargers were going to see that at wide receiver, they faced a very tough schedule as well. So if perhaps you were somebody that was hoping to get just a little bit more from Justin Herbert this year, maybe next year is the year. But I think it's more interesting in the con He was he was the QB2. He was the QB2 with the worst schedule.
3: That's what I was pulling up. That's I, I saw you look uh puzzled when I, I was yeah. pulling up the other tools. I mean, wow, he had the 30, he had he had the hardest or the 30 second easiest, however you want to say that, schedule. Yep. And he was the QB, he was the QB2.
2: Wow. Right. That's ridiculous. So I was kind I'm of kind tongue in cheek saying you could I expect made. more because <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but I think it's actually more interesting in the context of the of the mm-hmm. rookies here, right? Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, these guys, they each only went above twenty points four times. And I'm sure a lot of people are gonna pay attention to the fact that uh Lawrence only managed three QB one performances and Wilson managed just two. So if you keep in mind the fact that these were guys on teams that had struggles, teams that you would have expected to struggle, then you add in the fact and you layer on top of that how difficult of schedules they played for fantasy passers, I think that it should make you give a little bit more of a cushion to the leash that you give them, right? So like if I'm thinking about Lawrence in a dynasty perspective, I am going to recognize that you know he was placed into a dumpster fire of a situation. That on top of that, his schedule was not one that set him up well for fantasy success. Um, so, if you want to make a narrative for Lawrence and uh, you know his outlook moving into next season, this is one thing you could point to.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Lor- there's a lot of things that would point to uh, Lawrence rebounding. You know, the regime change. Um, it is probably going to be even more important than the strength of schedule. Um, just getting out from yep. under Urban Meyer, probably getting a young quarterback-friendly coach. You know, Byron Leftwich is the strong rumor there. They're also talking to Doug Peterson. I think. I think either one of those guys is a massive upgrade. Um, over what Lawrence had in year one. It's very rare that I would just completely excuse uh, an entire rookie season for a player. Like parts of it are going to yep. matter. I'm I'm pretty willing to excuse most of 2021 for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, it, it's just you're just not going to see things hit that way uh, very often for a player that was one of you know thought pretty universally to be one of the better quarterback uh, prospects in recent years. So um, yeah, I I think this is um, also better used for the younger yep. players, Dave. I think this is is good analysis, um, and and I think it's it's you know practically applied. Um, you know, the way you apply this is in the way too early best ball drafts, you know, FFPC already has 2022 best ball drafts open. There's a $25,000 jackpot, uh, tournament, small, uh, kind of small pool tournament that's already opened. You know, you can make some of these guys, you know, your last round pick, um, and they get that year two leap all of a sudden, you know, it's just, you know, it's money in the bank, man. Um, so, uh, thank, yeah, thanks for highlighting Wilson and, and Lawrence. I think that we can dive into that a little bit more. Also a pair of teams that, that I think w- uh, w- would certainly consider investing more in the offensive side of the ball in the upcoming NFL. Yeah, for draft. sure.
2: So let's let's pop over just quickly here, Curtis, to running back. And I actually think we might save uh, tight end and wide receiver for another show, as we're kind of coming up on the time, yeah. uh, the time limit here. Trying to keep these, you know, from being too long, um, especially uh, this time of year. But the Giants faced, by and large, the most difficult schedule of all teams at the running back (laughs) position. And I think this is important as it relates to Saquon Barkley. Uh, So if everybody recalls, um, he went out after from week six on, uh, he missed and didn't miss games, Mm. didn't return until week 11 and averaged just 10.8 points after he returned. And I think that it's important here to focus just on how grueling that schedule might have been. Now, there's a lot of bad factors for Saquon and we haven't spoken nicely about him in a while, but I think that it's important to pay some attention to this because if we see him drop so far um, in early ADP, like you said, this might be an opportunity to draft him in some of these early best ball leagues get him will people have a negative opinion because it is possible that some of what we saw down the stretch, you know, it was multifactorial, but also this team was playing a really difficult schedule mm. and at running back, perhaps more than some of these other positions that can really play a big role In what a player is able to achieve. Then of course, on top of that, uh, if you look through the other positions, you'll see that they played just a tough schedule from a couple of other standpoints, which, you know, if the team is not performing well offensively, makes it hard for Saquon to be able to do a lot. Of course, you would like to see him be able to turn that into production as a receiver. Uh, but, you know, just not a good situation overall in New York. I'm sure we're going to see some changes there in some of the makeup of, of the team as we progress into uh, the draft in the offseason. Yeah, the
3: Giants are going to be fascinating to talk about. Um, you know, Brian Dayball uh, is an interesting he's an interesting guy to land there. Yep. You know, he's had control of, of offenses before even before Buffalo. Um, he had control of the Cleveland Browns offense for a while, a couple of years ago. I think the case that could be made for Saquon uh, with, with Dayball coming to town, you know, if, if over the course of, you know, we're really just talking two years, right. I mean, Sa- Sa- Saquon's, <laughs> I'm probably past the midpoint of his career, which is crazy. Yeah. That's just why it's so demoralizing uh, and, and why we don't often invest heavily in, in dynasty in these, you know, kind of Uber elite, uh, running back types because just you know the one injury just kills what they can do for your roster. Yeah. Um I mean it's been a year and a half since he's really done anything for you, right? Um but uh Dayball De- De turned Devin Singletary into a bonafide RB1 over the the last quarter of the season. I mean Singletary his, his final four games, 16.6, 18.8, 23, 25.2. Ends with four consecutive RB1 performances. In the context of the offense, you know, people were, you know, much more concerned with stopping, you know, Josh Allen uh, through the air primarily. And then, of course, you know, he can ding you a little bit. But, you know, I I don't think it's fair to call Daniel Jones like a B-rate uh, Josh Allen. He's probably more like a D-rate mm-hmm. Josh Allen. But D- Dayball's probably going to get the best version out of Daniel Jones that's possible. Whatever that looks like, I think we're going to see it next season. And if the offense improves just a little bit uh, and the the creativity and the play calling is just a little bit better and, the you know, the, the usage of personnel is just a little bit better and Saquon Barkley's health is just a little bit better. um, You know, there's there's room there. Uh, there's room there. Um, so, yeah, I, I appreciate you highlighting him as well. Not necessarily just even the talent of the player. You know, this the situation has to be unpacked as well uh, and evaluated because at the end of the day, what it all comes back to with running backs mostly is the opportunity and there's we have every reason to believe that Saquon's still going to get that opportunity uh, but the situation around him um, should improve
2: now the one final note that I do want to toss out here though and some of this is is hard to bring up because I don't know if we can disentangle the injury from it we have no way of knowing how it factors in but his evasion percentage Curtis was six just six percent (laughs) <laughs> Which does make you a little bit worried. Broken this is between this is from week eleven on. A uh, broken tackle percentage is 1.9. Yeah. Miss tackle percentage is five. Of course, though, I could point to the fact that Austin Eckler in that Six. range had uh, just seven. But um, you know, I, I do feel compelled to put that out, like to throw out one negative so that people don't take this as a like, oh my God, you know, like look what could happen for Saquon. Always like to give give multiple perspectives here.
3: 6 evasion uh, 6%. <laughs> that's like my son trying to get away from me uh after he brushes his teeth and I'm trying to put him in bed. You know, he's oh only 4. Gosh. Like I'm probably going to catch him most of the time. Once <laughs> in a while he's going to get away. That's Saquon. Uh that's Saquon with the defenses. Um let, hey, let's wrap it up. I saw I I forgot yep. about this when we were kind of doing our little mailbag at the beginning of the episode. Uh Calm Kelly. Um his radio producer uh you know, just, just absolute workhorse, you know, he's Sean Siegel's, uh, podcast partner on road overtime and involved in a, so much of the stuff that we do. Uh, that's not, you know, the writing on the site and the rankings, you know, if, if it's media, you know, comps got his fingers on it uh, to some degree. So, um, he wrote in and, and just asked, you know, who's the favorite player you've ever owned and, and, or managed in dynasty. Dave uh, doesn't have to be your best player. Just like when you think about your dynasty portfolio and, and the history of yourself as a dynasty player, who's like a player's name that warms your heart.
2: Okay. So from a dynasty perspective, it's definitely JD McKissick because I was able to add him off of the waiver wire. <laughs> what? The- <laughs> I added him off of the waiver oh, okay. wire. I think it was two years yeah. ago in a league and he was just that missing piece and he exploded that year. I honestly forget which year it was because there was wow. a couple of iterations of, t- of different teams that I kind of tried the same trick with him on and he really propelled these teams. But one of them, he was just that missing piece that brought me to the championship and allowed me to win.
3: Wow. JD McKissick. It's, and those that's the stuff that yep. you remember. You know, it's it clearly, I mean, you know, he, he will definitely be lost in NFL history. You know, 10 years from now, he's going to be the player that somebody mentions on Twitter And one of those name a random player (laughs) threads, if they're still going, Um, but you'll be, you'll be smiling because you're going to remember that dynasty title uh, that he brought to you. I've got, I've got a couple, um, you know, my, my first candidates, a player that we've actually talked about uh, multiple times um, this past week somehow. And it's Rashad Penny because I've just been so damn stubborn to hold on to him that when he finally hits you know how validating that is he's been rotting on my roster. for like four seasons and then uh you know then then he helps me you know cash in some ships you know that feels really good um you know but what i would say um probably it, it is Tyreek Hill uh, because i've never It's similar to McKissick, but it just is is different because, you know, he wasn't someone that was largely drafted in, in rookie drafts, but he but he popped so much that first month as a rookie, as a kick returner, as a punt returner. And he was really, he was just being used as a gadget guy. You know, he was getting a couple carries even, you know, it was very light version of what the Niners are now, you know, full blown doing with Debo Samuel, way before we saw Tyreek as a target hog. But just he was just a player that. He, he was popping in the efficiency metrics. It was impossible not to be impressed when you saw, you know, his explosion just watching a Chiefs game. And I, I just, I added him in like all but one league. And then in my dynasty league of record, which is called Elite Lemonade, <laughs> TJ Calkins, uh, for, former roto And so a friend friend of the site here, I traded Brandon Marshall, it was uh new york jets brandon marshall who was a wide receiver one that year by the way yeah. uh but he was old and i traded brandon marshall for tyreek hill and like a future first cuz tyreek was the throw in he was the throw like i was like nah you got to give me somebody off your i knew what i was doing you got to yep. give me somebody like just give me tyreek it's like who okay <laughs> oh man! And I've just always been able to hold that one over his head. So I, I added him for free in like every league. TJ is the one guy smart enough to roster him somewhere, and <laughs> and I was still able to prime away. So that, that's that's probably gonna that's probably gonna be my favorite all time uh, dynasty player for sure.
2: Yeah, actually, can I just share one more because that made me think of it. I was actually in a league where Diggs yeah. got dropped. Oh boy. And I was able to add him off of the waiver wire, which was such an incredible thing. (laughs) Can you believe that? Like going back on Diggs, Stefan Diggs. Yeah. Rookie Uh, year Diggs got dropped and I was able to add him off of the waiver wire. Uh, And that actually is also one of my other favorite things that's ever happened.
3: Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could see why. I mean, you've been you've been laughing for for ages about that one. Uh, yeah, because because that's just a misstep by somebody else. There's a spite drop. You know, they started him. He didn't do it, or maybe he complained on Twitter. You know, he's always been you know one yep. of these enigmas wrapped in a riddle type guys. Uh, wow, that's great. That's that's a legendary waiver wire. All break. right, so
2: I think we can get out of here on that. Uh, good having everybody with us here via the podcast and everybody checking out the live stream or the replay. Curtis and I. We'll be back uh, with another show recording Thursday night live and then dropping That's right. on Friday. Already broke the rule of what I said uh, earlier this week where I said I was going to avoid that at all costs, <laughs> but it just felt right this time. Uh, oh. Curtis, though, I have to ask before we get off, you didn't tell us what type of bourbon you're you're drinking tonight.
3: Yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad you asked. Uh, th- this I'm going to be sad pretty soon, man. This one's almost gone uh this is knob creek 12 this is a limited run uh bad boy they they pulled it at the typical uh 8 years uh 8 to 9 years is their typical pull for for knob creek and it just wasn't ready so they they left it in for three more years and it's amazing i think it's the best bourbon they've ever released but it was kind of an accidental batch and i i'm not going to yeah. be able to get more of it probably um so that's going to be sad. And, and it was a really nice consolation prize. So I, I went to the store thinking I was going to get Blanton's. You know, I get, I'm on all these bourbon distribution uh, email <laughs> list, Dave. And and, yep. so, and so it was announced that there was going to be a case of Blanton's at the local liquor store. And there's going to be six bottles in this case. And so I show up like three hours before the distributor typically gets there. There's already like 20 people in line, so whatever. So they start unpacking stuff. Everyone is like, you know, jockeying for position, trying to get these six bottles of Blanton. And I see this stuff. I'm like, I'm getting out of line. I'm just going to get this. Knob Creek's good. Nice. I hadn't heard nothing about Knob Creek 12. It's a great consolation prize, man, because I wasn't going to get Blanton's that day anyway. Uh, and, and this has been a really nice sipper over the last year and a half or so. So, um, yeah, Knob Creek 12, if you see a dusty bottle at your local liquor store that's there by accident, buy it and thank me.